Welcome to Biology for Bastards, teaching biology in the most profane way you've ever seen or heard. I'm your host, John Doty. Thanks for listening. This season's all about evolution. We've been doing it through the Rona, and we are in Chapter 9, Species and Speciation. And before we get into this, good news, big news. In addition to Patreon that we've started and new merch and all this shit, we've got a new sponsor. So I'm going to throw in an ad right here at the beginning. The rest will come at the very end like usual. But today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. That was so cool. Okay, um, that's out of the way now. So we're on chapter nine, species and speciation. Good news, no fucking formulas. So that's good. This is just straightforward, just biology. Like it's not mathology and all that shit. Um, so before we get into species and speciation, we should probably um, define those two words. So species is Latin for kind. So it's, you know, the kind of things. Um, Speciation is the process by which one species gives rise to two. So just how do you get more fucking species? That's speciation. And we're going to talk about two main concepts behind this idea of species. And the first one we're going to talk about is the biological species concept which I'm going to abbreviate BSC because biological species concept is a lot of syllables. I'm lazy as fuck. So the BSC, this is when species are going to be defined as groups of actually or potentially interbreeding populations, which are reproductively isolated from such groups. So you've probably heard that species have to be able to mate and produce fertile offspring. That's the biological species concept idea kind of in action. And we said at the end of that definition that these groups are reproductively isolated from other groups. All that means is that any of the several biological differences between groups that greatly reduce gene exchange between them, even if they are not geographically separated, they stop fucking each other. That's reproductive isolation. For whatever reason, they're just not doing it with each other. They're not reproducing um, sometimes it's because they can't get to each other. Other times, just like, I don't like your shit. So, deuces, gooses, I'm out. Not going to be playing with your junk. So, um, when you have speciation occurring, this leads to sister species forming. And what is a sister species? Or what are they? It's two species that have descended from a single ancestral species. So, they are the each other's closest relatives. And in the, um, the PowerPoint that you can get if you're a patron for as little as $1 a month, I've got pictures of black bears, the American black bear, the Asiatic black bear, their sister species. Um, yeah, so kind of moving on. How does this reproductive isolation shit happen? Well, when you have multiple species and you can have it in three different ways, you can have allopatric speciation, sympatric speciation, or parapatric speciation. Now, those three words all mean something, because why the fuck not? They're words. Um, allopatric 
are populations that are geographically separated. So it's different countries. Okay, the Patrick refers to like a country, like Patriot, all that shit. Um, St. Patrick, same location. Okay, populations in the same location. Parapatrick, they are adjacent, so they're next to each other. And if we have an allopatric populations, they have been classified as species if their differences in their phenotype or their DNA sequences are as great as those usually displayed by species in the same group that are sympatric. So that's how you compare different populations that are geographically separated. Um, it's not foolproof. And one of the problems with the biological species concept is all of this talk about them being able to fuck and make babies and all that shit. Um, if the organisms do not reproduce sexually, the biological species concept just kind of falls apart. So that's where the second one that we're going to talk about comes in, the phylogenetic species concept. And it defines a phylogenetic species as an irreducible or basal cluster of organisms diagnosably different from such other clusters and within which there is a parental pattern of ancestry and descent. So it's a little less clear than the biological species concept. Um, but basically all it's saying is that in phylogeny, it is the most basic one, the oldest one. Um, and it just kind of branches off from there. So you don't hear about phylogenetic species concept much. You typically hear more about the biological species because we're kind of, you know, sexually centric, I guess would be how you could phrase it. I don't know. I'm, what the fuck ever. Um, but we're basically going to focus on the biological biological species concept the rest of the show. So kind of moving on from there, kind of keeping these species things in mind, we can end up with hybrid zones. And it is, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is where genetically distinct populations meet and interbreed to a limited extent, but in which there are exist partial barriers to gene exchange. So it's where hybrids form. Um, sometimes these hybrid zones can lead to what's known as introgression or introgressive hybridization. And this is where you have genes from the gene pool of one species gets incorporated into the gene pool of another. So this happens like when you have the allopatric um, populations where they're like side by side and you just get this hybridization going. Um, it's happening now with um, polar bears and grizzly bears. You get pizzly bears or roller bears. Um, you get these hybrid zones. And they're happening in a bunch of other places too, but that's just the one that I came up with off the top of my head. But now let's dive in to some reproductive isolation shit. So hopefully I got this organized clearly because I changed this around a shit ton of times. But um, with reproductive isolating barriers, what they are are biological differences that prevent gene flow between biological species. So these are isolating mechanisms. And they come in two forms, prezygotic and postzygotic. Your prezygotic barriers reduce the likelihood of hybrids forming. It's before the zygote forms. 
And then post-zygotic barriers reduce gene exchange between populations even if hybrid zones are formed. So prezygotic fuck shit up before the zygote is actually formed, before the sperm fertilizes the egg. Postzygotic fuck up the hybrids. More or less. A little simplified, but it kind of works. Um, your prezygotic barriers are going to be the most important isolating mechanisms. And it includes separation in different habitats, pollination by different animals, different mating seasons, um, failure of gametes to unite. There's a bunch of different things kind of that all play into the zygote not being able to form. My favorite one is called mechanical isolation. And that is where um, the parts don't fit together. It's just they are trying to do it with each other and his junk and her junk, they don't match up. They can try it all they want, but their pieces aren't fitting together and it's not getting down. It's mechanical isolation. It's my favorite one. I, ju I just think it's funny because um, I'm a child. So um, just kind of going with that. Um, ecological isolation as a prezygotic barrier. It can happen when there are ecological differences contributing to genetic barriers. And this whole idea of sexual isolation being a barrier to gene flow is... Um, fuck, I just lost my train of thought. Fuck. Um, I'll just read what I've got written. Sexual isolation is an important barrier to gene flow among some patrick species of animals that frequently encounter each other but simply do not mate. So it's just, you know, if you're some patrick, so you're in the same area as each other, encounter each other, this is where that mechanical isolation comes in. There's also like a behavioral isolation where it's just like, you're fucking annoying as shit. There's no way in hell that we are going to get it on and make some babies. So that's just an important piece of sympatric speciation is for some reason there is sexual isolation. And kind of a little closer to the postzygotic barriers, like the least separated prezygotic barrier is the gametic isolation. So that's where the gametes don't unite properly. The sperm and the egg, you know, they fuck each other, they get their shit on, um, but the sperm and the egg cannot unite. That is gametic isolation. So that's a problem. I mean, if you're trying to make some babies. If you're not trying to make babies, perfect. Um, but then we get into our postzygotic barriers. And what postzygotic barriers do is it reduces gene exchange between populations. And this is where you have something like reduced hybrid viability or reduced hybrid fertility or hybrid breakdown. So those are the three big ones. And they all have to do with either reduced survival or reduced reproductive rates of the hybrids that could otherwise back cross to the parent population. And with postzygotic barriers, we can identify them or classify them as intrinsic or extrinsic. They're going to be extrinsic. Um, it's often based on reduced survival because of ecological factors. That's an extrinsic postzygotic barrier. Intrinsic postzygotic barriers are um, when hybrids suffer high mortality or sterile and has absolutely nothing to do with the environment. So intrinsic, the hybrid's just fucked up. 
extrinsic. It's just fucked because of the environment. Pretty much what it comes down to with those. Um, now, when you get these hybrids and you have these post-zygotic barriers going down, you can get incompatible interactions between genes from, you know, species one, species two, those genes may not work together and you can get these incompatible interactions and they are referred to as Dobzhansky-Mueller incompatibilities. I probably fucked up those names. Um, I have a real hard time pronouncing the sound that is B-Z-H. Dobzhansky? I don't know. But that can be a problem. And it can lead, or another problem that can pop up is hybrid sterility or inviability is often limited to the heterogametic sex. So that is like in humans, males, and a lot of things males, and birds, females. So it's the one where they have one of each. So like where XY guys are. Um, that is known as Haldane's rule, named after JBS Haldane. He was a famous evolutionary biologist in the early 1900s. Um, now, when you're looking at all this chromosomal shit with these post-zygotic barriers, a lot of sister species are going to be distinguished by chromosomal rearrangements, and these are structural differences between the chromosomes. That's how we can kind of distinguish these sister species from one another. Um, and these are things like inversions or translocations. And when we compare all these post-zygotic barriers going on, the rate at which they happen with the rate at which prezygotic isolation occurs, the prezygotic isolation is going to evolve much more rapidly than the intrinsic post-zygotic isolation shit that I was just talking about. Now, if we are trying to init initiate speciation, there has to be something that is going to restrict the free interbreeding of the two diverging populations, because as we talked about, I think it was last time, that interbreeding tends to erase genetic differences. We said there was one individual is all that was needed to keep the population from diverging. So there's a bunch of different ways that restriction can happen. There can be ecological speciation. This is where reproductive isolation evolves as a side effect of adapt adaptation to different ecological circumstances. So I'm doing this, you're doing that, and just through the nature of us doing our shit, we become reproductively isolated. So that's ecological speciation, kind of what the name fucking implies, so go with it. Now, we can have speciation by genetic conflict. This is when an allele increases its own transmission to the detriment of other alleles at the same or other loci. And what it does is it leads to segregation distortion, which is something that has been brought up a fuck ton of times. So hopefully you remember what segregation distortion is, that is when alleles are transmitted to more than 50% of the gametes. It's unequal distribution. So you have the selfish gene doing its shit. Hey, we can have speciation by sexual selection. 
So in a lot of groups of rapidly speciating animals and plants, species are going to differ more in their secondary sexual traits than in their ecologically important ones. And secondary sexual traits are things that have nothing to do with like natural selection. Like it's not about keeping, a, it's not your penis and the vagina. It's like the lion's mane. It is the peacock's tail. Those things are secondary sexual traits. So there's tends to be more differences in those than in ecologically important traits. And females will impose strong sexual selection. We can drive the rapid evolution of the male secondary sexual traits like the peacock's tail, like the lion's mane, all that shit that I just said. And what can happen is you're going to end up with divergent sexual selection that can cause rapid evolution of those prezygotic isolation uh, mechanisms that we talked about earlier. Like the behavioral isolation, just not liking each other. Um, all those other things going down. All because of sexual selection. Um, now, we can have reinforcement of reproductive isolation. There can be some reproductive isolation going down already, and then we can have reinforcement, which is just the evolution of stronger prezygotic isolation mechanisms because of selection against low fitness hybrids. So it's just saying we have hybrids, they fucking suck, so we're going to select against them. That's reinforcement. And the alleles that strengthen that prezygotic isolation are going to gain an advantage because individuals with them will have higher fitness than the ones that actually do hybridize. Because if they hybridize and they have an offspring, and that offspring is a piece of shit, that is, you know, not a good thing. That's a waste of energy. That's a waste of parental time. That's a waste of resources. So if you have the alleles that strengthen those prezygotic um, mechanisms, they are going to have an advantage. Now, um, stronger postzygotic isolation typically cannot evolve by natural selection because the baby's already been there. Baby's already made. So your prezygotic mechanisms can e evolve by reinforcement, but your postzygotic ones generally cannot. And this idea of selecting for reinforcement can only happen when you have two species that continue to interbreed after some sort of postzygotic isolation, like the reduced fitness of hybrids, um, has already evolved between them. So, kind of how the fuck else can you get speciation? Glad you asked. You can get it by polyploiding. Now, typically this only happens in plants because animals, when they deal with polyploidy, they just get fucked up in a bad way. Not a good way. Not a good fucked. Bad fucked. So, with plants, what we can have, and we're just going to talk about this in the simplest way, um, are with tetraploids. Tetra means four. And tetraploids will originate by the union of two, let's call them unreduced gametes. So we know through meiosis, you've reduced the number of chromosomes. You go from being diploid to haploid so that when they combine, you get a diploid zygote. Now, tetraploids can happen 
when the gametes are unreduced. So it's a diploid gamete and a diploid gamete giving you a tetraploid zygote. And this can happen in two different ways. It could be autopolyploiding if both of the unreduced gametes come from the same diploid species, or it could be allopolyploiding, which is when the unreduced gametes come from different diploid species. And what's crazy is that tetraploids typically have complete reproductive isolation from their diploid ancestors, which means, according to this, you can have speciation in one generation. You can go from diploid parents to a tetraploid offspring that's a totally different species because they are now reproductively isolated from their diploid ancestors. And it's crazy. That just blows my mind. And being tetraploid means you have more gene copies. You have four instead of two. This will change the expression of a lot of genes and can alter a lot of phenotypic traits. And for some reason, animals suck at this. Plants do really good. In fact, speciation by polyploidy accounts for roughly 15% of the speciation events found in just the flowering plants. A little fun fact for ya. More ways that speciation can happen by hybrid speciation. So usually interbreeding between populations um, opposes divergence and makes speciation less likely but you can have cases where hybridization can cause speciation. That's when you have the hybrids that are not infertile. If for some reason you have this hybridization going and the offspring are not infertile, you can end up with the hybrids forming their own new species. And so you have the two original species and then this new hybrid species. We can have speciation by random genetic drift. So remember, genetic drift is just random mass evolution. It is not selection. And we can get this with the founder effect. If you remember the founder effect is when you had a small population forming a new subpopulation. Sometimes we can call that parapatric speciation if we really wanted to. And with a small population, drift is incredibly strong. And as we talked about last time, drift can fix rare alleles at certain loci. And this is a very important way that new species can arise at the periphery of a species range. If they don't go in to like the heart of the range and they're just out on the outskirts and everything and something happens, drift can very easily shove them into a new kind of dimension, a new species, and now they are reproductively isolated from the species at the opposite end of the range. All right, geography of speciation. So that's all the shit that can cause speciation. There's a bunch of it. Now we're gonna talk about the geography of speciation. So going back to the sympatric, parapatric, allopatric shit, that we talked about at the beginning. So, the most common way for speciation to begin is with the appearance of a geographic barrier 
that either partly or completely blocks genetic exchange between two populations. If you've been paying attention, you know that this is allopatric speciation, where they are physically separated. Because, I don't know, I'm not going to climb a fucking mountain to try to find a mate when there's a perfectly good one around the corner. Just saying. So that's the most common way for speciation to begin. As some sort of geographic barrier pops up and prevents the two populations from exchanging genes. Now, we've already defined the next two things, but we're going to throw it out there again. Um, sympatric speciation. We have the one population splitting into two while they're living together. Parapatric speciation. Kind of just mentioned that with um, founder's effect. It's when neighboring populations of a single species that exchange genes nevertheless diverge into two species. Both of those involve speciation with gene flow. So with sympatric speciation and parapatric speciation, there is some gene flow between the two populations. With allopatric speciation, because there's that geographic barrier, there is no gene flow. And kind of diving into allopatric speciation in a little more detail, it can originate in two different ways. Through um, variants or vicariants. Why do I have this written down two different ways? I'll fix that on the slides when I post those up on Patreon. Um, I have variants written down one place and vicariants written down somewhere else. I'll Fuck if I know, I just noticed that. Um, but this is what happens when a barrier appears and divides a population that was occupying a larger region. So it kind of splits it up. And then dispersal is when you have individuals from one population colonizing a larger region. So it's the difference between, do you have one group that gets split into two or do you have one group that kind of sends out some newbies to go colonize another area? So if you hear a bunch of like flipping around and shit, I'm kind of, I've got my book here in front of me. I'm trying to look up this vicariance or variance shit that I kind of talked about. Um, but I'll do that later. You know, you don't really care that much. And I'm just rambling while I'm flipping pages now. Vicariance. I found it. It's vicariance. So, I should edit that part out, but I'm not going to because that's not how this show works. So, just to reiterate all that shit that I just said while I was flipping through pages and shit, vicariance is when a barrier appears and divides a population into two. And then dispersal is when individuals from one population colonize a larger region. They are both types of allopatric speciation. Now, in allopatric speciation, isolating mechanisms play a role in restricting gene flow only if the populations come back together. And this is a process known as secondary contact. If the isolation is incomplete when secondary contact happens, there are three possible outcomes. First one is the populations hybridize so freely they meld back into a single population and there's no speciation. Possibility two is a hybrid zone is formed and the allele frequency clines are produced 
um, as alleles mix between the two populations. So that's just kind of, you know, you get a little bit. And then the last outcome, possible outcome, is hybrids have, if the hybrids have low fitness, natural selection can result in the reinforcement of prezygotic isolation, preventing the hybrids from even forming. So basically, what we're saying is if you have incomplete reproductive isolation when secondary contact happens, when they come back together, the three possible outcomes are they join back together into one species, they stay separate but make hybrids, or they stay separate and they don't fuck. There you go. And then the very last thing is a little detail with sympatric speciation, speciation that's happening when they live in the same area. This is the most extreme case of speciation with gene flow. And this happens when an ancestral population splits into two species without any sort of geographic isolation. Now, this is made easier by what's known as a speciation trait, which is a trait that causes both ecological divergence and reproductive isolation at the same time. So it gives them some sort of ecological advantage, but it also changes their reproductive likelihood with each other. And that, my friends, is chapter nine, Species and Speciation. Um, went through it pretty quick. Next chapter, chapter 10, no shit, the title is all about sex. It's going to be a good one. So, yeah, cool beans. We'll wrap this shit up. Um, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at bio for bastards on all of those. Um, if you want some shit, uh, there's the Patreon. You get access to the PowerPoints, the Patreon community, which I put a little fun shit up, um, and Perry the Podcasting Possum stickers. I got a whole bunch of stickers. So even for a dollar a month, you get all that shit. And then anything more than that, you get a little bit of extra ad-free shit. Um, bonus episodes, you get to pick the bonus episodes, just depending on what level. So check that out. And, you know, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that fun shit. And, yeah, our intro and outro music is the song Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. I am your host, John Doty. And until next time, thanks for listening. So you may have just heard an ad, but I can't end with an ad. So just wanted to say, follow us on Twitter at Bio4Bastards. Um, our intro and outro music is Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, tell everybody you know about it. And again, thanks for listening.